Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The track record of five foot ten and a half ish quarterbacks in the NFL. I-, I love Bryce Young. I think he's an outlier. You don't bet on outliers in scouting. That's a rule of thumb. Right. But it's. I'm telling you now, it'll be a talking point on yeah. every NFL show for about the next two and a half months. Wow, so. that's super weird because most NFL shows that I watch never be <laughs> run stuff into the ground. But maybe there'll be one, this one that does that. Um, well, listen. I mean, I run jokes in the ground. That's my sure. Stick. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. All right, we've been hyping up the Combine buzz. Full full disclaimer, these are rumors, not rumors. news. There's a difference. Rumors yeah. and news are different. Uh, drunken Indie Steakhouse Gossip. A thousand is the, percent. Is, yes. I know, like the, the great part about the Indianapolis Combine, about the, well, the Combine, is that basically you're out you're out of the, the new year hasn't started the old year is done it's the only time in the entire year calendar year that everyone in the NFL players agents scouts general managers front office people coaches uh, media are all in the same place at the same time and you're in Indianapolis and you're basically on the same one mile radius in Indianapolis and so there's like three bars that everyone goes to and so you just run into a ton of people and you're just you're having drinks you're shooting the breeze and uh and so whatever, just, you know, and what do you, you know, what everyone has in common is football. So you're all just talking ball and you're, what have you heard? And so I always say like, listen, I'm not a journalist, but uh, you know, what have you heard? And so this is, these are rumors. These are, this is gossip. None of this is news that I'm reporting. I am not Mike Florio. I'm not Adam Schefter. I am not um, Jay Glazer. I am not a, uh, a quote unquote news breaker for a major media company. I'm a fantasy and sports betting guy. And these are rumors. So with that... Let's talk about some of the rumors yes. I heard. Um, and this one, actually, you know, I can report because this is all on the record. I interviewed Ron Rivera. Mm. I had the definitive Ron Rivera interview, um, uh, which I think is up on the NFL, NFL on, on NBC YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. You can watch so you the can full check thing. The full yep. thing. But what I asked him was specifically about Eric Bieniemy because uh, Eric Bieniemy has, has become the uh, the offense coordinator and assistant head coach in the time since we did our last show. And what he said is he, what he was impressed of, impressive to him was just how explosive the Chiefs' offense was. Helps when you have, you know, <laughs> Mahomes and Kelsey. Like, are they coming with? Apparently not. But I think, I think for, to Ron's point of view, what, what Ron was excited about was just how much they spread the ball around, how much they were able to get guys in space, the Chiefs were, and that was really impressive. The other thing is what he said to me, which I thought was an underreported fact, is that Ron said, you know, Ron, Ron knows Andy Reid. Like, they've, you know, they, they coached on the same staff together many, many years ago. And so they know Andy, and he says, listen, I've hired two coaches from Andy Reid in my life. The first one was Sean McDermott. I called Andy about Sean McDermott and hired him to be my defensive coordinator in Carolina. 
Obviously, that worked out really well for me. So I, this is the second coach I've ever hired from Andy, and I called Andy about Eric, and Andy could not have been more praiseworthy and said he's great and he's amazing. And so, you know, Andy didn't steer me wrong on McDermott. I don't think he steered me wrong on Biennemi. And so I think what we will expect for um, the commander's offense under Biennemi, and quarterback is still a, is still a question mark, but I think you'll see the, the running backs involved much more in the passing game. We saw Brian Robinson start to get a little bit more involved towards the end of last year. Obviously, they have Antonio Gibson as well. They like that. Also, the tight end. Ron Rivera mentioned that he thinks he, he can get another year out of uh, Logan Thomas. He also really likes Cole Turner. Obviously, neither guy is Travis Kelsey. But the usage, the usage of the tight end in Biennemi's offense is something that was important to Ron. And obviously, having you know playmakers in McLaurin, Dotson, and Curtis Samuel, he thought given all the pieces that the enemy could get them in space, create mismatches, and really kind of throw, be, you know, be aggressive on offense. So that's what I think Ron Rivera is expecting from an Eric Bianami offense this year. Staying with the trend of team offenses, obviously the Broncos made the huge trade for their new head coach in Sean Payton. What do you expect there in an interesting situation with Russ, uh, some buzz around maybe their wide receivers on the trade market, and of course, Javante Williams' timeline? So again, all gossip, but I have a pretty good Bronco. Well, I'll just say this. The source that I got some of my Broncos stuff for has given me Broncos stuff before, and that has always been pretty rock solid. So, But again, this is all uh, speculation, rumors, gossip. None of this is proved. But one of the things is that, and this came up a couple of different times, is that people get the sense that Sean Payton doesn't like Russell Wilson. And, <laughs> that seems like a problem. <laughs> right, it really does. And the reason they're basing that on is there's some behind-the-scenes stuff, but also just because that – at like at two different public press conferences, Peyton has made the same joke, and I'm using joke in quotes for people that are just listening to the audio of this, where he just basically said like, "Oh yeah, Russ keeps really bugging Drew Brees, you know, like keeps you know talking his ear off and asking him all these questions." And the fact that he keeps bringing that up, they live near each other in the off season. Russell Wilson and Drew Brees apparently both have a uh, a home in Southern California, and they live near each other, I guess, in the same neighborhood or something like that, and. So the fact that he keeps, that he's mentioned this multiple times, tell, you know, again, reading the tea lives feels like that Drew Brees has probably called Sean Payton and said, like, dude, get your guy off me. Like, you know, it's not my job to explain your offense to your new quarterback. And again, I'm speculating. This is all reading between the lines. I want to be very clear here. But it was brought up to me by more than one person that Payton has made that joke publicly, you know, in front of cameras and microphones. And he feels like that's a little pointed that, you know, like... Yep. You know, ah, ha, ha, Russ, <laughs> Russ keeps rugging Drew Brees. And, um, Don't stop. But what was, what was definitely clear that I heard from multiple people is that, that in essence, Russell Wilson's on a one-year tryout with Sean Payton. They're like, okay, it didn't work last year with Hackett. We're bringing in Sean Payton. And, you know, so, okay, Russ, we've given you a bunch of weapons. We've given you a, you know, a great head coach, a, a, you know, a Hall of Fame head coach whenever he hangs it up, uh, a great offensive mind. And so that you've got one year. And that what happens if, if, if at the end of one year they can get out of this deal? They can, it, the cap hit would still be bad. They'd split, split over two years. It would still be a very bad cap hit. I want to say like something like $40 million a year over two years. But not a franchise crippling cap hit, which is what it would be if they released yes. him this year. So that was how it was explained to me was that, in essence, it's kind of like a one-year trial. He's got one year to turn it around. If he does, great. They've got their franchise quarterback. They've got what they traded for. But if not, like – if there's only one guy left standing, it's going to be Peyton, not Russ. Yep. That's how it was explained to me. Yep. 
and we've talked about it, I'm, I'm buying Russell Wilson's stock. I, I agree. Think, I think he's going to be better next year. I think he'll be the same kind of tier, maybe a little bit better even than Geno Smith, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones. He's got more upside than those guys. The question is, who will he be doing that with? Right. We've heard a lot of rumors about their wide receiver, both of Judy yeah. and Cortland Sutton, but definitely yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think they really they like Judy and they like how he um, he ended the season, especially. I've heard that quietly Cortland Sutton's on the trading block. Like they're not actively actively shopping him, but they're definitely like, hey, you like Court? Like I I think if they got a decent yeah. offer for Cortland Sutton, they would move him um, a, as well. Um, and it was explained to me that for our purposes in terms of fantasy, that after Judy. Tim Patrick's actually who you're going to want on the Broncos' offense next Ross. year. That they expect Sutton some way, somehow, to potentially move on. So we'll see what happens there. To me, the biggest thing that was interesting was Javante Williams. And one, I was told um, that basically he's a lot more hurt than they're letting on. That's, that's the rumor, is that he's a lot more hurt than, he's letting, than they're letting on. And that publicly they're saying all the right things. And there's a chance. But there's just it's really clouded in mystery and that... It was a very serious injury that Javante Williams suffered and that there's just this massive range of potential outcomes for Javante Williams off of this injury. He could be ready for opening day. He could come back midseason. He could miss the entire year. Like, that's how it was explained to me. Like, it's all over the place. Like, there's a lot of different things. But but they are secretly, what I was told, uh, is that the Broncos are secretly very nervous about the health of Javante Williams heading into next year, that they don't know if they're going to have them, if they're going to have him, and if they do have him, how long they'll have him for. And so you've seen some stuff out there publicly that they've been tied to Kareem Hunt. And how it's explained to me is, like, they're going to bring in a veteran. Like, they'll bring back Latavius Murray. They're probably going to move on from Mike Boone. But So they'll bring in a veteran, but kind of the level of veteran that they bring in will sort of be a hint as to who, how they feel about it. And they said, like, Kareem Hunt is somebody that they're really interested in. And, like, you don't bring in Kareem Hunt just to be running back depth. Yep. Uh, you know? And so they said, if, like, if Kareem Hunt goes there, and that's one person that's, that's mentioned as a target for Broncos, that should be a heads up that, like, Williams is more injured than you may potentially think. And so uh, the idea is, is that, as it explained to me, Latavius Murray is going to be the Mark Ingram in the Sean Payton role. And then we just don't know yet who's going to be the Alvin Kamara. Maybe it's Javante Williams if he's healthy, but maybe it's it's Kareem Hunt. I also heard David Montgomery is potential. That's mm-hmm. a land, potential landing spot for him if the Bears do end up moving on from Montgomery. But uh, but yeah, the Broncos' offense very much in flux. I think more than people might think. Another offense in the AFC that hopes their star quarterback gets back to top form would be the Browns with Deshaun Watson. He came back from the suspension last year. Never quite looked to be himself. What are you hearing about the passing offense in Cleveland? Just very simply, and it makes sense, we always talk about follow the money, right? That this is going to be Deshaun Watson's offense next year, not uh, Nick Chubb's. And it was explained to me, they said, you know what, look at the, look at the, the Brown-Steelers game from last year, which was week 18. So th- it was like in the 30s. Like it was freezing cold, really windy. Like, okay, Brown-Steelers. Steelers were still alive for the playoffs at that point. So this is going to be one of those, you know, AFC North, typical, like, you know, yeah. two teams that don't like each other, bad weather, cold. It's just going to be grinding out like a 12-10 type game. He said, if you go back, and that's a game in which, if ever there was a game where they should have gone to Pittsburgh and just run Nick Chubb 25 times or run the ball 25 times, that was that game. And yet what they did is Nick Chubb got 12 carries in that game and Deshaun Watson threw it 29 times. And they're like, that's the offense they want to run. 
Like, it, again, and that was in a game, listen, the, the Browns were also down in that game. Kareem Hunt got four carries, so ultimately 16 rushing attempts. Um, but still, the fact of the matter is, is they said, like, this is going to be a, it's going to be, you're going to see some five wide. You're going to see them be really much more pass happy. You don't pay a quarter of a billion dollars to a quarterback to hand off. Like, this will be Deshaun Watson's offense, and that's what they want. They want to be pass first, maybe 12 touches, you know, 12 carries for Nick Chubb. Um, and they will add a speed receiver. That's one of their priorities. They like Donovan Peoples-Jones, but they want a true speed receiver opposite Amari Cooper. Again, to sort of give Watson what he had in Houston when he had, you know, he had Hopkins and Fuller. Yep. I think Hopkins is he's definitely he's the highest variance player in the NFL next season. If he's the guy that he was in Houston where he's like the fourth best quarterback Watson, in the league. Watson. Watson, sorry. Deshaun Watson. So I think that if he is that guy again, then the Browns can win the Super Bowl. Like if they've got the top five quarterback in the NFL, then all of a sudden they've got so much talent around him. The defense should be better. I don't understand really why the defense wasn't better last season, but they've got a ton of talent there. They've still got top two offensive line in football, maybe just behind Philadelphia. Uh, so they, they're loaded if he is the guy. But I just think, you know, we don't really think of Cleveland as a place that you want to go for fantasy-friendly players. But, like, you know, Njoku had a really nice season. Amari Cooper had a better season than we thought with, you know, different quarterback play. So if we assume, it's a big assumption, but if we assume Deshaun Watson is back to being Deshaun Watson in a pass-happy offense, Cleveland especially, and they add somebody opposite Amari Cooper, Cleveland suddenly becomes very interesting. And if they are going that pass-happy, even if Chubb's only getting 12 touches, Nick Chubb's one of, if not the best, pure running back in the NFL. If he's getting 12 touches against what should be very light boxes because they are pass-happy and because they're stretching the field, that becomes pretty interesting as well for Nick Chubb. I would suspect as well that the back complementing Chubb is probably not going to get as much of a workload as Kareem Hunt got at times. And so even, like, just in terms of percentage share, so even if Chubb is getting less carries, he might still have, you know, more opportunities. By the way, for people that are doing best ball drafts right now, Jerome Ford is a name that was mentioned to me as well, that that's going to be Nick Chubb's backup, not Dearness Johnson. They will move on from Kareem Hunt, and it won't be Dearness Johnson. I think a lot of people assumed it would be Johnson based have. on what we've seen, but yeah. no, they really like Jerome Ford, and he's going to be, expect him to be the the Nick Chubb insurance back that you want or the other Cleveland running back you want in a deeper league. How about the Bills' weapons next year? They used a second-round pick on James Cook, second-round pick on James Cook. You'd think that they would expand his role going into next year. And then Gabe Davis didn't have the year we had all hoped for, but is there something behind the scenes there to that season? Yeah, so these these are, you know, some, some of the stuff that I've talked about, everything that I've talked about so far has been mostly rumors that you just sort of hear late at night from people, you know, after a few drinks. And, you know, we'll see if they end up coming true or not. But these are ones... In terms of James Cook and Gabe Davis, both Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott spoke to the press, you know, on the record in front of microphones. And I asked, you know, they were asked about James Cook. And so uh, both Bean and McDermott were very effusive about Cook. And basically, we expect more from them. Now, they're also a team that has been uh, tied to Bijan Robinson as well. So we'll see what they do in the draft and free agency. But I think, you know, based on what they saw to James Cook towards, towards the end of last year, the expectation is that he'll be the lead running back. He'll be the Bills running back you want. By the way, completely random fact that I saw on Twitter the other day. Did you know this? That James Cook's middle name is Dalvin. Yeah. I did not and know And Dalvin's this. middle name is James. Very crazy. So it's Dalvin James Cook and James <laughs> Dalvin <laughs> Cook. I don't I've know never seen that, that in my life. Yeah. I, that, that blew my mind. That was one that I saw on Twitter. And you're like, <laughs> um, So kind of amazing there. In terms of Gabe Davis, I, I went to those press conferences. I directly asked both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott in separate press conferences, hey, coming into this year, uh, 
especially after that Kansas City playoff game, I think expectations were really high for Gabriel Davis. How do you assess his year last season, and what do you think about him going into this year, just to see where they would take it? What I didn't say is, oh, by the way, he was like a guy that I really loved for <laughs> fantasy sleeper, and he made me look like a moron, and, you know, I, was, you know, I loved Gabe Davis, and, you know, what are we going to do? Um, I, didn't, I left that part out. But they both sort of said the same thing, um, and I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, if you go to my column on rotoworld.com, I have the exact quote um, that I transcribed. But off the top of my head, it was something to the effect of just basically like, yeah, listen, you know, he started off, you know, he, he struggled earlier in the season. He had the high ankle sprain, but, you know, he worked through that adversity, and I think he finished the season strong, and we're excited about it. He's a great kid. He works, you know, he works his tail off. He's always practicing. When we drafted him, he was actually out running routes. So just knowing him and the type of kid he is, we know he's going to, you know, come back even stronger and being able to get through that adversity leads him up. So it was just, you know, a little bit of coach speak, and we like the kid, and we expect better things. Okay, fine. But the thing that was interesting is that both guys, both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, sort of offhandedly mentioned, yeah, you know, blah, blah, and he had the high ankle sprain early in the season. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was that public? Yeah. Like, so I went back. I, I turned on the old Google machine, and everything I saw, and maybe you guys saw something that I didn't, but everything I saw was like ankle injury. He's got an ankle injury. He high might miss this game. Different. High ankle is different, especially for a speed wide receiver. High ankle is very different than he's got an ankle sprain. He injured the ankle in practice. He's going to be limited today. He might not play. Like, and so, I don't know. I, that, was, that was like, okay. Like, I feel like if we knew he had a high ankle sprain, which typically lasts like four to six weeks, you might view his season differently. So you're telling me we're back in on Gabe Davis. We're back in on Gabe Davis. We're back on the track. I don't know. Like, thought we were Lord done help that. me, I thought we were done. <laughs> yeah. Just when I think I'm done, they reel me back in. Damn it. I'm back in on Gabe Davis. <laughs> one last one here. The Chiefs wide receiver room could look a lot different. Juju's a free agent. Mikael yeah. Hardman's a free agent. I mean, how is, are they going to go back out to that external market that they attacked last year? What is this room going to look like in, over summer? I don't think they know. We, we've talked about this. Because the free agent class is so weak and the, and, the, and the draft class is so weak for wide receivers, you could see Juju Smith-Schuster, Miko Hardman, um, uh, you know, um, get, get offers that Chan City is just like, you know, yeah, we can't go. no thank you, yeah. can't go there. So the only guys that we're expecting, um, Justin Watson's also a free agent as well. So... Kadarius Tony and Skymore are both under contract. Um, you see it there on your on your screen. You know they have they have MVS uh, as well, I suppose. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think you're going to see. Um, you know, it'll be Kadarius Tony and Skymore. Both guys should have significantly increased roles next year. And if I had to pick one, Kadarius Tony. I was talking to sources. They like both kids. They like them a lot. But in terms of what Kadarius Tony can do, just his ability, his his Swiss Army knife likability and his versatility just a full season in the chief system a full off season where they can sort of play and experiment and try different things they're very excited about Kadarius Tony in Kansas City yeah. and they love both kids by the way talking to different coaches both kids they think are really great they've also a team that have been mentioned to me as a potential landing spot for Alan Lazard yep I like the corrected full season of Kadarius Tony he doesn't, he doesn't play full seasons Matthew does. but if he does he's got as much talent uh, we'll as anyone and uh, a ton of upside golf Gentlemen, let's talk about some golf ball. Okay. Don't miss Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and Justin Thomas as the best golfers in the world 
take on the 17th Island Green and go head-to-head at the Players Championship Thursday to Sunday on NBC, Golf Channel and Peacock. I will be on that broadcast. I will not be playing, though, in the tournament. You know, I found out in Vegas, Connor, that Matthew doesn't watch my Golf Channel hits. And, uh, and really? Yeah, it was disappointing. But, I've um, never missed one. Okay. Yeah, so that's, it was disappointing. But that's to right. be clear, I watch the Golf Channel. I just actively tune out. I d- <laughs> oh, it's a the commercial channel. break. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Anyway, Jay's on. Players Championship should be good. John Rahm's the favorite alongside Rory McIlroy. Who do you like? Do your golf hit now. Like, if yeah. I want to put, a, if I want to play. Where am I making bet, money? If I if I want to go to bed, MG, if I want to go to bed, MGM and use promo code Barry just for an example <laughs> for golf. For, uh, for golf on the Players Championship, give me a bet you like. Well, so a brief story. Uh, so I was at the Players Championship last year, and uh, I had a, a group of kids, uh, like sixteen years old. They came up to me. And they asked for me to take a photo with them because they thought I was Jason Day, uh, the <laughs> winner of the PJ Championship um, about seven years ago. And uh, so Jason Day's 28 to 1. He's found a bit of form. An Australian colleague, I believe he might be half Asian like me. So I think that's why they thought I was Jason Day. So always like him. Uh, Colin Morikawa as well as 25 to 1. That would be my other bet in the market. Uh, but, uh, right. yeah. Jason Day and uh, Morikawa? How do I pronounce Colin it? Colin Morikawa. Morikawa. Or a kawa. There's a W. Kawa. Yeah. Kawa. There's a, there's a W. Yeah. Sorry. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. <laughs> Fellas, we are going to close the show out with some, some rapid fire stock up, stock down combine recap before right. we get out of here. You spent seven years as the lead draft analyst for Bleach Report. The draft is this is, this is where you made your bones, yeah. uh, Connor Rogers. I saw you out there. You were interviewing prospects, you were talking to them. Learning about their hopes, their dreams. Yep. You you had the stopwatch. You had the clipboard. You yeah. were out there. You had a visor. Absolutely. Hundred percent. I do the do, medicals. Yeah. I do everything. You were poking. You were prodding. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, doing the late night interviews. All right. So stock up, stock down. Let's start with Bryce Young. I think it's a push, right? He didn't do anything, but he weighed over 200 pounds. And if you thought Bryce Young was over six feet tall, that's on you. You're at fault for that. So this is a push for Bryce Young. I I will say if you're going to go one way or the other, maybe stock down because all the other quarterbacks looked so good, right? Anthony Richardson, stock up for his weight, the most athletic quarterback we have ever seen. When you look at C.J. Stroud, he was the most natural thrower out there throughout the drills. He didn't miss a throw. His timing, his confidence. And then Will Levis as well. He didn't really get a lot of shine, but he still looked good. He has a ton of velocity on his throws. He's a big guy, and he spoke really, really well. All these guys did. I was surprised. I think there was so much hype around Anthony Richardson that I thought Levis got sort of overshadowed. And I, I loved Levis's confidence. He's like, I got a cannon. I'm going to show it off. Like, you know, I loved yep. him just like because not everyone threw and everything like that. Levis is like, I got nothing to hide. Like, I, exactly. I, like, to me, 
Levis, I think, is really interesting uh, as well. Did it bother you that Bryce Young didn't work out? No, because I think he played the game of I can get as heavy as I want and I'm not going to do any of the drills at an uncomfortable. He doesn't play at 204. He weighed in at 204. That's not his playing weight. So when it comes down to it, he played the game of doing the weigh-in, and then he has the pro day where I don't believe he has to weigh in at that pro day. He can get back to his natural weight and look as good as he always has. It was funny, though. There was a viral, a viral photo that went around uh, where basically, you know, sh- showing him from the podium, and then there was a back shot, and he was wearing these sneakers that had, like, heels four that inch were like heels? that. Yeah, like, four-inch yeah. heels. Like, he could have walked a runway in those things. Yeah, it was pretty serious. Will Levis, uh, who's like a caricature of a quarterback that you know guys just love to draft because he's got the cannon arms, he's got the build and everything. He's twelve to one to go first overall. We talked a bit about this in the past. Any chance that a team like Indianapolis trades up for Will Levis? Definitely a chance. I think what Richardson did this week uh, weekend though kind of wiped that away. And I think Stroud's just natural throwing ability as well, and his interviews were so good that. Those odds have kind of taken a, a hurt. And you look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young's the favorite for a reason. Those odds keep going the way you, you don't want them to. So I think it tells you that all four of these guys are going in the top ten. But I think ultimately there's a good chance Levis is the fourth quarterback taken now. It's super interesting. I remember at one point, this is like two months ago, there was a mock draft out um, where they had the commanders taking uh, Anthony Richardson at 16. And I was just like, That's insane. there's no yeah. way Anthony Richardson is <laughs> getting to 16. And, of course, now I don't, I'm, I'm not convinced Anthony Richardson gets to 7. I'm with you. Yeah. I think he go. We talked about Seattle earlier yeah. in the show at yeah. five, and he might not make it there. He might not yeah. make it to three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think anyone had more stock up than Anthony Richardson. I mean, to jump over forty inches. I know people say it doesn't matter for a quarterback. It's so impressive to watch that level of athlete that can throw the ball a mile. It's all there. If he gets that redshirt year in the NFL, he's it's worth taking the swing on. Thousand percent. Let's move on to uh, the wide receivers. So, not a great wide receiver class here uh, of the uh, uh, in the draft, but stock up, stuff down. Who did you, what did you see? It's not a great class at the top, but I love Jackson Smith and Jigba, okay. right? He's getting a lot of comparisons to Amon Ross St. Brown, and I actually think those are pretty close. Number one, the agilities were all in the high, you know, 90 percentile plus, like elite, elite agilities. He's probably going to play in the slot at the next level. He catches everything, great adjustments. I thought he looked good. It was good to see him healthy. He had the hamstring all year. We didn't really get to see Jackson Smith and Jigba briefly in three games this year, but not the 1,600-yard season he had two years ago. So stock up for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Stock down for Jordan Addison, a guy that was viewed as a top 15, top 20 pick. You just can't be 173 pounds and run in those high 4.4s, low 4.5 kind of range. You need to be a burner. He's a really good player. He's got route polish, but when you're small, it's tough to go early in the draft. So that weight hurt him. He needed to run in the 4.3s, and he didn't. Jalen Hyde, a little bit of the same thing. I'll go stock down. He's a solid player, but when you look at it, he ran 4.4 at 176 pounds. He's not the 4.28 burner a lot of people expected. And then last one here, we talked about him a little bit throughout the show, but let's move off of wide receivers and just go to running back. Bijan Robinson feels like if there's going to be a running back in the first round, it's going to be Bijan Robinson. It will be because the talent's just insane. I mean, I look at him and go, you could play him in the slot. You could have him run inside, outside. The question I, I can't get an answer to, guys, is who? Who is willing to do that? I don't think the Eagles will do it at 10. Do the Eagles trade at a 10 and they're comfortable to do it? Does Bijan make it to 30 and they take him at 30? The Joe Mixon situation, as we talked about, is really key watching. Would the Bengals go that route? Uh, is there a team out there that just doesn't care? Right? The Bills, they, they're all in on the offensive line, it seems like, right now. But what if they get there and they go, the offensive linemen we liked are gone. We'll just take the great player and figure out the rest on day two. So, B. John Robinson, I think he's locked in in the first round, but it's hard to find that concrete team that will do it. So, to be continued with him. And I think he'll be the only first-round running back as great as Jameer Gibbs is. And, and he's, going, he's going to be 
is, you know, obviously landing spot matters a little bit, but he's, if you thought Brees Hall was good last year, if you, I mean, you know, Student's he's going he's, he's gonna, he's gonna to be a top 10 overall. By the time fantasy drafts roll around in August, B. John Robinson is going to be a first-round pick in fantasy drafts, wherever he lands. Absolutely. Yep. It'll be one of the more high-profile rookies that we've ever gotten to discuss. And in Dynasty, everybody's trading. It feels like everything they have to get the one-on-one, which has been pretty funny to watch yeah. and listen to. Yep. I like the phrase route polish. Matthew Barry could use some more route polish. I, think. I could use a lot more polish, period. <laughs> Not just on my routes. Pretty much everywhere. <laughs> pretty much everywhere. Very good. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's listen. Good to be back. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's good to... Good to be in an untimed format. <laughs> we, I mean, yes. we, Pete left for a lunch. Our producer, <laughs> yeah, Pete, yeah. left for lunch. He came back. We're still talking. It might it's be great. dark out go, when we walk out. That's fine. It's, da- it's, uh, <laughs> it's dangerous to set Matthew Barry loose in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. In the woods. No breaks. <laughs> no leash. Anyway, listen, My life feels too easy. Obviously, we're, so here's our off-season schedule. We're going to be doing a show once a week. It, it, uh, re-airs will air on Peacock, but it'll be wherever you get your podcasts as well. And full episodes, not to mention uh, clips of the show, obviously will be available on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel. So uh, for Jay Croucher, for brand new employee, Thank Connor you. J. Rogers, and all of us at the award-winning fantasy football. Oh, <laughs> happy hour. Route polish. And you don't polish. have to go home, but you can't stay here. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.